These later years of childhood have been flying by. As a mom, I want to not just be available to my kids during these last years they have at home, but I want to feel good and have the energy I need to keep up with their schedule and my own. So my health is a top priority. Equilibria is a woman-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and body back into harmony. You're not alone on your wellness journey. Every customer gets one-on-one support to help you meet your goals. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. A healthy gut positively impacts immunity, mental health, sleep, digestion, and skin health. It helps regulate digestion, immunity against bad bacteria, and improve nutrient absorption. The gut has been called the second brain because it contains more than 100 million nerve cells. It is a vitally important piece to our overall health, both physical and mental. So to make sure my gut is working at its potential, I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense to improve my digestion and nutrition absorption, boost my overall immune health, and help with sleep and stress as a bonus. Head to myeq.com and use code PARENTING for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code PARENTING at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline, the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your host, Erin Royer. Well, I had a great week this week, and I hope everyone else's is going really nicely, too. My kids started back to school this week. We had a really nice transition out of vacation and into getting ready for school. I worked with each kid to go through their clothes, get rid of everything they've outgrown or things they don't like. So we would know what they needed. We bought new clothes, all the school supplies, went to back to school night, and got the year started off really well. So that's a relief. I also realized I haven't shared that my husband did find another job. He actually started while we were on vacation. So it threw a bit of a kink into things for us. They really needed him right away. So he had to fly the kids out to Colorado to meet me because they all had plane tickets. I actually went out early. Then he had to fly back to Burbank and then had to fly back out to Denver the night before my race. So that was a little bit crazy for us. And unfortunately, he didn't get much of a vacation. And I didn't post those pictures yet either. I didn't do much of my race. I didn't do much of our just one day in Zion. But it was really cool because I've also been wanting to put some parenting things up. So I was going to put those up on my Instagram account. You can follow me there at ironmom2020. Also, my kids love their teachers. They got great teachers. And actually, my kids' school is really full of great teachers. We're really lucky. Almost every single one we've gotten so far is super dedicated to each child's success. So it's been really great. Um, We've also had a big shift this past week where my kids are totally into doing their jobs 
at home, both the ones that they need to do just because and the ones they do to earn money. They've been great with doing their assigned jobs without complaining for a while now, thank goodness. But also lately, they have all become very motivated to do their extra jobs and earn money. It's like it all just clicked all of a sudden. It all came together. Now, we make them save half of the money they earn to put in the bank, and then they can use the other half, keep it in their piggy bank, on the things that they would like to buy. And they're starting to see what they can do with it when they save it up. My daughter had wanted this mermaid tail for the swimming pool for a long time, but those things are $70, so I kept saying no, I wasn't gonna buy it. Well, she had some gift cards from her birthday and she saved up the rest from her job so she could buy it. She loves it and honestly, she takes better care of it because she worked hard for it. So I love that they're also learning the value of money in this whole process too. Okay, so enough about us, let's get to the questions. First question is about forcing affection. Should you or shouldn't you? And then the next question is about how to know when it's best to ignore a behavior versus when do you address it? The first question is from Marie about forcing affection, as well as how to handle a family member whose parenting style is vastly different from her own. Now there's quite a lot of detail, which I find really helpful to understand the situation as much as possible. Now while I don't wanna leave out anything important in how I'll answer the question, I'm gonna see if I can paraphrase some of it so that I can spend more time answering the question. So it's most helpful to other parents who have similar questions or maybe a similar situation. Also, the question about forcing affection can come up in a lot of different ways. So even though your situation may be different, the answer is still very relevant. So Marie wrote, Hi, Erin. I appreciate all I've learned from you over the past few years since I had my son. Thank you for answering questions, making podcasts, and creating excellent content on your website. My younger sister and her family recently moved to our neighborhood, so we now see them at least one to two times a week instead of every couple months. My sister has two daughters, a six-year-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. We have very different parenting styles and different ways of expressing emotions. My husband and I work to incorporate everything you teach, positive discipline, and we discuss disagreements calmly, while my sister prefers to use timeouts and sometimes spanking, and disagreements become battles. She seems determined to win with a loud voice, caustic tone, and even hurtful words. She has lambasted me on several occasions for the way I handle parenting situations, and I am almost at my wit's end. There are two specific situations that occurred the other night. I'd like your advice. Our two families met at a restaurant, and our son brought three small toys, one for himself and one for each of his girl cousins. When my son pulled out the toys, he put the toy he brought for himself in front of him and said, this one is mine. Then he gave a toy to each girl, and he was giving a toy to the younger girl. The six-year-old reached and grabbed my four-year-old son's toy, so he snatched it back. The six-year-old pouted and complained, and her dad told her to ask to hold the toy instead of just taking it. However, my son still didn't want to give her his toy. He pointed at the one he gave her and said, that one is yours. I was sitting watching and letting them talk it out, but my sister suddenly said, stop fussing and share. My son looked pensive for a moment, then said, how about we set a timer and we can switch toys when it goes off? My sister said no, she didn't want to use a timer and that she would just tell them when to switch. But I piped in and said the timer was a good idea and I could use my phone. My sister was visibly upset and said, this is why we don't allow toys at the table. I didn't realize this was her rule and we typically don't have toys at the table either, but I felt it was okay because the kids could play with these small toys while sitting at the table waiting on food and the adults could converse with less interruptions. 
The six-year-old was whining that she wanted the timer set for one second and was ready for her turn. So my sister turned to the kids and exclaimed, if y'all don't stop fussing, I'm going to take the toys away. My son said, I'm not fussing. And my sister looked at him and said, yes, you were. You not sharing is the whole reason the fussing started. I felt defensive towards my son because I thought it was generous and mature that he thought to bring extra toys from home for the girls, then independently thought to set a timer to switch toys after a couple of minutes. I said this to my sister and she exploded at me. The arguing from my sister went on and on. I just sat there, which made her explode, saying I had a stoic expression that I didn't seem to care. Anytime I tried to explain my viewpoint, she just argued further. But many of her arguments made no sense to me since our parenting styles are so different. She wouldn't listen to what I had to say. It just blew over her head. The only way to end the horribleness was for me to agree and apologize, as usual. Yes, this kind of blow-up happened several times before and always with the children around. One of our husbands tells us to go away from the kids, but it doesn't really help, especially in this instance where the only option would have been for one of our families to leave the restaurant, and that would have ended our sister relationship for good, I believe. A few minutes after, I thought everything had calmed down. My son and the six-year-old ran up to me. The six-year-old was saying, I'm sorry to my son. Then she started to cry. I asked what was wrong, and my son explained she had stomped on his toy. I thought my sister should have stepped in, but instead I asked my son to please forgive her and hug his cousin since she apologized and was even crying. My son said it's okay, but he didn't hug her, so I hugged my niece instead. When I did, my sister angrily yelled at me. See, you aren't making him do what you asked. You told him to hug her and he's not. I told my sister that I wanted to hug my niece first, and my sister exclaimed that I needed to make him obey me immediately. Of course I disagree, and I shouldn't have even told him to hug her in the first place. I want to retreat from my sister. She has hurt me and has said negative things about my son several times throughout my life and now his. I can't reason with her or explain how I feel. It only makes her angry and argumentative. Please help. Any insight would be great. I did cut out a little bit. I wasn't able to cut out much because so much of this is really pertinent to understand the dynamics and the nuances of this situation and scenario. Now, before getting into the forced affection piece of it, there's a bigger issue at hand here, and that is the relationship for Marie and her sister. Some of us, if not most of us, have at least one person in our lives or in our families who is, for lack of a better word, toxic. Now, from this description, Marie's sister is toxic. Now, this is an area, Marie, for you to really think about and work on, and honestly, that work would probably be best served with a therapist. I know I went through this process many years ago of working through how much of a relationship I could realistically have with one of my family members. It's hard to not want to keep trying and keep having expectations of some sort of quote-unquote normal relationship. And I don't like to use the word normal because I don't know what that means, but maybe a, a better relationship. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you have to be super close, but just something where you can go out to lunch and you don't end up fighting or hurt. But that's just not always possible. And the first thing is learning to accept this person for who they are and where they are, not out of feeling angry or hurt or that you want to try to protect yourself or cut them out, but just out of acceptance. Because the more we keep expecting someone to behave differently and they don't, we're the one that keeps getting hurt and frustrated over it. With the acceptance is when you can start to decide how much access you want this person to have to your life you begin to realize it's not just okay, but healthier to set up boundaries and how to set up those boundaries. To have less contact with this person and that when you do, you can set very particular circumstances so that you can make sure that your boundaries are met. And a therapist can really help through this process. 
For Marie, I know a relationship with your nieces is important to you, but I would really start working with a therapist on accepting your sister for who she is and where she is, and then deciding how much of that you can have in your life in a healthy way for yourself and for your son and be able to set those boundaries. And then from there, you can see if there's a way to still maintain some type of relationship with your nieces. But if in the end you decide the whole thing is just too toxic, that's okay. And I wouldn't blame you. For me personally, I would have a really hard time maintaining a relationship with someone like that. So to get to the question, your son sounds amazing and very mature. I'm really impressed with his ability to share his other toys and to even offer the timer. Sharing like that at his age is difficult and he should just be getting the concept, not to mention that it's okay to have a toy you don't feel like sharing, but he brought the other ones to share. And the fact that he actually was willing to do that after he had a turn first, even though that wasn't originally his intention, and only at four years old. So he's really mature and frankly, it sounds like he's better at sharing than his six-year-old cousin is as well. The problem with this situation is that things are gonna come up again and again. Like, I just don't think you're going to be able to foresee every single situation. Um, your sister sounds like the type of person that just is going to get upset about something almost any time or every time you see her. And you're just never gonna be able to foresee what's gonna to get to her this time. When it comes to forcing apologies and hugs or affection, I wanna talk about those. It's not a good idea for either of those for different reasons for each. Suggesting is great, but forcing is not. When it comes to the apologies piece of it, and I know your son was on the accepting end of the apology, not giving it, but I'm just gonna bring this up here because it really goes along with this about forcing apologies. You know, it tends to work against developing a sense of empathy. When you force an apology, it builds resentment when you're forced to apologize or even accepting an apology when you're forced to accept an apology. When you're still feeling mad or working through those feelings and you aren't there yet. So we want our kids to learn empathy, not just to apologize. So the empathy isn't there yet, they're not feeling it yet, or they're working towards empathy, but then they get cut short by a forced apology. We've robbed them of an opportunity to work through their feelings, to get to the place of empathy, then to get to the apology. So that's why it's really great to offer the apology. It looks like you really hurt your sister's feelings when you grab that toy. It would be nice if you would apologize. Are you ready to do that? And then give your child a chance to do that or work through it and then apologize. And they may say no, and that's okay too. And you want to work through with that child through that process of empathy to the apology. Again, never forcing it, but always offering. Now, when it comes to hugs or other affection, again, we can suggest. It would be nice if you gave your cousin a hug if you feel like it. She seems genuinely sorry and it might make you both feel better. But forced affection teaches kids that their physical boundaries don't matter or that other people's ideas of their physical boundaries are more important than their own. You know, if they don't feel like giving or receiving affection, they should do it anyway to make the other person feel better. It sends a message that when it comes to teaching about sexual abuse, well, I'm supposed to hug my aunt even though I don't want to, even though it's uncomfortable. And now this coach or this teacher or family friend or whatever, this adult is touching my leg. I don't really like it, but I'm supposed to respect adults. And this person is nice. My family trusts them, so this must be okay. So my point is, Marie, you did just fine. And there are reasons why the way you handled things are important. You gave your son autonomy in letting him decide if he wanted to hug or not. The only thing in the future to suggest the hug rather than expect it. And you realize that pretty immediately after you did it.
As an adult and a mom of a son, both with ADHD, I know navigating the expectations of life with ADHD can be a challenge, but finding the right care and proper tools needed to succeed can be life-changing. With the right resources, you can turn your ADHD into your superpower. Done is an online ADHD care platform that can get you all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD, online visits, refills, and a 24-7 care team made for you. Starting to take care of your ADHD is as easy as one, taking a one-minute free assessment to see if Done can help, two, booking an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as today or tomorrow, three, start receiving ongoing care, enjoy online visits, personalized treatment plan, worry-free refills, and 24-7 care. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Unlock your path to better focus now at get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn your ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, By Heart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Our blend includes the most abundant protein found in breast milk, alpha-lac, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum, along with broken down, partially hydrolyzed proteins. BiHeart is an easy-to-digest formula. In addition to its patented protein blend, our formula includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. BiHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. Curious about BiHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Now, I'd been trying to decide if I was going to share anything about my trip back to Colorado and my experience with my family, and I had decided not to. And then last week, I talked about how parenting is so much more than parent to child, how it's the whole system of families and how they affect our parenting and the experiences our children have and the filters and the beliefs they form about relationships. Even looking back at the situation with Marie, what are the nieces and her son learning about sibling relationships by watching her and her sister interact? They're going to form opinions and filters and beliefs about that. So since my experience does relate to what I had said last week, as well as to this question, I feel like I should share some of my experience and insights. So this is the account of my internal journey throughout my two weeks home with my family. I'll get into some details that at first may not seem relevant, but bear with me if you're interested or curious about this journey and how it relates to what I've been talking about because these details are relevant. I'm also going to, because I'm going to compare my friendships with my family relationships, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that. So I need to share a little bit of background first about my family as well as kind of build the foundation for this story. Now, as much introspection as I do and as much work as I've done on learning to manage relationships and in particular relationships that 
do not necessarily meet the needs that I would like or are not the way that I would like them to be, there's still some things that took me by surprise and some things that I learned about both myself and that I can better navigate my visits and interactions with my own family of origin. Now you may find some similarities in your own family and at the end I'll discuss how my and our experiences, meaning my listeners, with our own families of origin can be assessed. And actually that's an exercise I have for parents who want to do it in the class on siblings without rivalry. And it's a great exercise for those who want to gain more awareness about how their own sibling relationships could color the way they parent their own children when it comes to helping them manage their sibling relationships. Now, as I mentioned, I did go through therapy to work on managing expectations and boundaries with one of my family members, and that has been immensely helpful. I no longer get frustrated or hurt over having a relationship that, to me, feels very surface and disconnected. But I did still struggle with the visit with my family in the first week. Oh, and I should probably mention that my entire family lives in the Denver area. I'm the only one that moved away. My family consists of my mom, now in her early 70s, my older sister. She's only seven months older than me because she's from my dad's first marriage. Now, maybe I should explain this in a different way. My mom and my father were married, and they had me, and they got separated before I was born. My sister's mom and dad were also married and got divorced. Now, my mom and her dad met when I think I was three or four, and then they got married when she and I were both five, and her dad adopted me shortly after that. My parents then had two more kids, my sister, who was seven years younger than me, and my brother, 11 and a half years younger. And all my siblings are married. There are 14 kids among the four of us, ranging from the ages of 17 down to the age of four. So when I went to Colorado, I was able to visit with two friends. One was a friend from San Diego who I reconnected with immediately. We were able to be totally open and honest with each other. I was totally comfortable sharing with her about my life, my struggles, my triumphs, my philosophy on life and family and marriage, and how much I know that I don't know, and how much different life looks now that I'm towards the end of my 40s than it did when she and I used to hang out when I was in my early 30s, I believe. Then I had lunch with a friend from grade school who had a very different upbringing from me and a very different worldview than myself. Well, at least somewhat different because of her upbringing, but she has been on an incredibly hard journey and she is so brave to have left an abusive marriage with no support from her family or her community. But despite our differences, I felt totally able to be open and honest and real and genuine with her too. And there was no judgment from her about any of my struggles or my life choices or anything. But my struggle came in when I saw how much this juxtaposed to being with my family. Now I have one family member I feel I can be very genuine, open and honest with, but the rest for various reasons, I just am not comfortable. And at first I found myself not really wanting to spend much time with most of them because it felt like a waste. Now I'm not good at small talk or faking or being happy when I'm not. I like to spend time with people who I can have real, meaningful, deep conversations with. But as the week went on, I began to connect with my family in ways that I could. I was able to meet them where they are and also see all the positives in each one of them. And my sibling that I am able to be closer with, we took the opportunity, went for a hike, and were able to catch up and talk about our lives openly and honestly, rather than the surface talk I have with most of the rest of my family, where everything is always just great. 
But despite the lack of connection I feel with them, one of the huge positives is that my entire family came up to watch me race. My younger sister and her older son, they even got up at 4.30 a.m. to go to the race start with me and help me squeeze into that awful wetsuit. But everyone else came out and waited in the mid 90 degree heat for me to slog slowly through that half marathon run and see me finish. And I don't know how many families would do that. Then they all stayed and celebrated with me afterwards with a family dinner. Now I'd be lying if I said I don't care or that it's okay that my family isn't close the way that I think of close, but everyone's family has some levels of dysfunction. Some families are closer than mine in a healthy way and some are closer than mine in an unhealthy way. Now in the class on siblings without rivalry, in addition to all the tips on building strong connections between your children and ways to guide them in working together to resolve conflict, communicate, and cooperate, I also discuss the ways in how you relate to your own siblings affects your kids' relationships with each other. In the case of Marie and anyone in similar situations, you know, you may not have any control over your siblings' behavior, how they treat you, how they react to you. Now, in healthier relationships with some give and take, sure, that is absolutely possible because people are willing to listen to each other and make some adjustments. But in situations that are too rigid, like Marie's, she has very little control over how this relationship can progress or be any better. The only control she and others like her can have is over the boundaries that you set around the relationship and how much contact and in what circumstances you feel like you can participate in a limited relationship such as these. You also can have control over how much your kids see or know about your struggles and disappointments with your siblings. So I strongly recommend never talking, and I talk about this in the Siblings Without Rivalry class also, this is one of the tips. I recommend never talking bad or sharing your struggles about your relationships with your siblings in front of your kids, at least not while they're still growing up. If you're mad at your sibling or you're really struggling and you wanna tell your friend or your spouse, wait until your kids aren't around. Not because you necessarily care so much about how they view Aunt Becky, but because you probably care about what they see as a normal sibling relationship. It doesn't mean you have to pretend to be super close when you aren't, and it doesn't mean that you can't create a very different dynamic for your kids than you have with your own siblings, even if you don't force that being nice and that fake being close, you don't have to do all that. You can set the healthy boundaries, you can have a relationship, that minimum relationship with your sibling to the degree that you feel like is possible and still shield your children from the hard stuff and the ugly stuff and let them see the positives that do exist between you and your siblings. If you have any positive feelings towards your siblings, you can focus on those and share those with your kids. You know what? Your Aunt Becky is really good at puzzles too, just like you are. This is a way to bridge that relationship, show your sibling in a positive light and leave out all the nasty stuff and just put it aside and then you can focus on your own kids and how you want their relationships to be different and work on all those steps to do that. You absolutely can help your children have very different relationships with each other than you have with your siblings. So if you are interested in that class, learning more about that, the class Siblings Without Rivalry is on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the Modern Parenting section. 
For me, my parenting journey is a lot about creating close relationships with my kids, helping them create close relationships with one another that are healthy so they feel the love and support in healthy and functional ways from me so that they can share their own needs in healthy and functional ways with me and with each other and can learn to listen to each other. And that's what this is all about to me. This is why I do what I do, for other parents who want that for their families too, who want to learn how to both raise successful kids, but also create strong, healthy relationships in their families at the same time. Anyone can scream, yell, or spank a kid into complying out of fear, or at least for a while until they're bigger than you, but carefully crafting your family connection, leading with love and expectation, takes a real commitment. And so that's what I'm all about. All of the classes I've created are designed to support just that, the positive discipline, understanding and supporting a child's health and development, dealing with the challenges of modern parenting, and supporting their child's education and academic career. These are all areas that are really important to me and were important for me to share with other parents, which is why I created so far over 50 classes, made them all available on demand because parents are busy. We don't have time to go take a class or find a babysitter. So I put them up so parents can just take them when they want, whichever classes they want on the website at yourvillageonline.com. And don't forget the promo code IRON15, I-R-O-N 15 for 15% off of any of the memberships. Good through August 31st. Now, I know I normally answer two questions per episode, but sometimes it is good to go more in depth on some questions, and I definitely felt like this was one that warranted the extra time. So I'll get to the question from Jenna on what to address versus ignore with behaviors in next week's episode. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.